Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. I love some of the great stories of prayer and fasting in our nation's history. It was on May 24, 1774, Thomas Jefferson drafted a resolution for a season of fasting and prayer. The British had blockaded Boston Harbor. In response to this, George Washington wrote in his diary on June 1 of that year, went to church, fasted all day. In times of great stress in our nation, we have turned to God. We've not burned Bibles, burned churches, or toppled crosses. Rather, we look unto Jesus, the God who is all-sufficient. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul said, God has given us all sufficiency. He has enriched us in everything with all bountifulness. We had better know where our help comes from. Our help comes from the God who's better and best, more and most, greater and greatest, the God who is comparatively and superlatively beyond what anyone else can do or provide. Hello, this is Ken Curley, and all this week on Daily Devotion, we're talking about the faith to do the impossible. And I think today is a great subject. I want to call this can and able. I did not say Cain and able. I said can and able. Would you allow me to do a series of if-then questions with you? Here's the first. If a man were able to lift a horse, then is this same man capable of lifting a feather? Second question. If a student was able to ace an advanced college calculus exam, then do you think the same student could count to 10? Here's the third question. If a cow could jump over the moon, do you think the same cow could jump over a fence? Fourth question. If Shakespeare, the master of the English language, could compose timeless sonnets, plays, and writings, then do you think he could recite his ABCs? Here's a fifth question. If a brain surgeon is capable of performing the most intricate neurosurgeries touching the consciousness of a person, then do you think that same surgeon could put a Band-Aid on a child? Silly, you may ask. Yet what we've done with these five questions is to examine an age-old rhetorical device called a fortiari. It's a Latin phrase meaning from the stronger, or even more so, with even stronger reason, that if something greater is true, then something lesser is equally true. If someone can do the greater, then with stronger reason, we can believe they can do the lesser. So let's go back to the questions. And we can say, a brain surgeon could certainly put a Band-Aid on a child. We have stronger reason to believe that. And of course, if Shakespeare could write the sonnets and plays, we have stronger reason to believe that he could recite his ABCs and that a moon-jumping cow could easily clear a fence and that a math genius could count to 10 and that a weightlifter could also lift a feather. What does this have to do with the Bible and with God and with faith and our lives? 
because this way of reasoning is found throughout the New Testament. The entire book of Hebrews is based on an a fortiari argument. In Matthew, the gospel to the Jews, Jesus uses this same argument in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, there it is, will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? How much more he can, he is able. Do Americans view God through that lens that he can and he is able? How do we Americans view God? Ted Olson in a Christianity Day magazine said that 29% of Americans view him as friend, 18% view him as king. That's pretty much in a nutshell our difficulties. We see God as friend more than king. We minimize the majestic. We make God smaller than what he actually is. To most American believers, God is not the word made flesh, the defier of gravity, the great physician, the genius mathematician, that God does not uphold the world by his power. When you view him just as friend and not as king of kings, then you limit the Holy One of Israel. Leonard Ravenhill, who wrote Why the Revival Tarries, was in a European village taking a tour. Someone asked, were any great men born here? And the tour guide said, no, just babies. No great men are ever born, only babies. I've always found it curious what great men, though, are remembered for. Phillips Brooks was perhaps the greatest preacher of his time in New England, founder of lectures by his name at Yale University, author of some of the greatest volumes that have ever been penned. But he's not remembered for this by most. He's remembered for a song he wrote while visiting the Holy Land at Christmas, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Another man in this category is J.B. Phillips. Phillips was a scholar who translated the New Testament, the Phillips translation. But he's remembered more for a small book that he wrote that described people's errant view of God. He said many people view God as the resident policeman as the parental hangover, as a grand old man or Jesus meek and mild, as the pale Galilean and so forth. The book that he wrote, Your God is Too Small. The psalmist noted this tendency in Psalm 50, 21. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you. We make God into our own image, much as those idolaters did of old. We reduce him to our level. We put the ocean in a thimble and we limit the Holy One of Israel and we minimize the majestic. I say, let God be God. In Prince Caspian Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, Lucy noticed something about the lion Aslan, the Christ figure. Aslan said, Lucy, you're bigger. That's because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. No, I'm not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. I say, let God arise and let God grow in our lives. Don't minimize him. He can. He is able. How do we let God be God? Well, let's look at the ways we minimize God and see how we can turn the tables on that. The first way we 
minimize God is worry. Now, many people think worry is holy. In fact, we think worriers are sometimes the most spiritual people in the church. Ask a worrier what they think about something, and they say, mm, I don't know about that. They shake their head and say, mm, I don't know. And we think that's spiritual. How many times do we go to the Lord in prayer with worry lines on our forehead? We come with worry, we leave with worry. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, Corey Ten Boom said. She said it empties today of its strength. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. How do we maximize God? We give our worries to Him. We cast all our care upon Him. We release our future into His hands. We let God be God. He can, and He is able. What's another thing that minimizes our belief in God, that turns him from king of kings to just our friend, our buddy? Unbelief does that. Again, we're more at home with doubters than we are with believers. We sort of need a Doubters Anonymous, a self-help group that gets together and gets it out in the open. And let that group of doubters just go ahead and say things like, I don't believe God cares. I don't believe he heals. I don't believe God's going to make a way. Yes, Doubters Anonymous. That's a small group that should never be in a church. We need a Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief spirit. I believe we need to confess that unbelief, then let God be God. Let him rise up in our lives. He can, and he is able. What's another thing that minimizes God? I believe guilt does. Guilt, shame, regret. We minimize God's ability to forgive. Two phenomena I've noticed in pastoring. Some people are very hard on themselves. They have what scripture calls a weak conscience. They feel convicted about anything and everything, and they find it so hard to believe that God loves them and that God will forgive because they refuse to forgive themselves. In this, we minimize God. Can I reason with someone here? If God forgave Paul, the chief of sinners, then how much more will he forgive you? If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Here's a second phenomena I've noticed pastoring. Some people have the inability to forgive others. Didn't Jesus talk about this with his parable of the unjust servant? If we have been forgiven of so much, then how much more should we forgive those who have wronged us? We need to let God be God. We do that by putting judgment, retribution, vengeance in his hand. After all, he said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Vengeance is a double-edged sword with a missing handle. You grip it and it will cut you. Vengeance. Let God be God. Let God judge a matter. Here's what we need. We need the two words, only believe. This is the story of Jairus, ruler of the synagogue. He's cut away in the story by the woman with an issue of blood. This grown, proud man, though, collapsed at the feet of Jesus because his little daughter is at death's door. He begs Jesus to lay hands on her and heal her. Jesus accompanies Jairus to his house, but en route, the woman with an issue of blood interrupts. And about the same moment, he's telling her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. The Bible says, while he was yet speaking, messengers from the house of Jairus arrived, 
and said, your daughter is dead. Jesus overheard that negative report and said to Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe. Believe what? That if the God who could heal this woman who had been sick for 12 years could surely heal a girl who had been sick for maybe 12 hours, that if he can do the greater, he can do the lesser. Believe that the best is yet to come. Romans 5, Paul says, If when we were God's enemies, we were concealed by his death, then how much more will we be saved through his life? What he did for us when we were enemies will not be less than what he does for us now that we're reconciled to him. Only believe. Jesus said it like this in the Sermon on the Mount. I've mentioned Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? If you enjoy doing something special for your children, if you enjoy seeing them have a good time, watching them grow, learn, and become, then how much more will your Father in heaven do good things for his children. How much more? God is not limited. His arm is not short. God can do it, and he is able to do it. That's the can and the able that we need to keep in our minds. When you go to the Lord in a season of prayer and fasting, remember he can. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We are serving the God that can do far more than we can imagine. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.